Bring about. It's our weekly catch up with the National Party's Denise Lee. Hi, Denise. How are we going? Denise? Hello? Oh, sorry. I did <laughs> actually make sure I can speak on the phone. I am here. <laughs> welcome. Hey, Kiora. Good, good to talk to you. Kiora, always good to talk to you, Denise. Um, now, I wanted to ask before we get into the heavy stuff uh, from last week, Denise, did you happen to look up your Harry Potter house? <laughs> okay. Now, let's just have confession time right here and now at the start of the show. Okay. I am too old for Harry Potter, <gasps> and my my daughters weren't really into Harry Potter, uh, and m- maybe they're kind of, I don't know, they're sort of like, um, mm, they, they weren't quite in that mode. They, they would know far more than I, I will admit, um, but... Yeah, have I disappointed you? Are we still friends? I mean, I'm a little disappointed. We're still friends. It's okay, but I'm a little sad. It's okay. I'll live. Okay. I'll live. All right. Okay. All right. (laughs) (laughs) We've Um, got Skype to continue the conversation. That's good. Absolutely. Um, (laughs) Now, let's, let's jump into some things. Uh, we've got our pay equity conversations that kind of were prompted in Parliament for International Women's Day. Um, can you tell us about where we are at on this amendment bill? Yeah, so um, as you may know, Laura, if anyone listening, this is kind of like a personal topic for me because I um, MPs get to put in a bill under their name. I don't know if everyone knows this. And it's like lotto. Literally, your bill goes into a drawer, so we each get to do one, just one bill. Mm. And you you put these sort of marble balls into a into a bucket, and a junior staffer in Parliament draws it out. And anything can happen, right? Your bill can come out. I'd only been an MP for two weeks, and my my um, bill on pay equity and equal pay for women got drawn. So that was awesome, very exciting, except for um, the government didn't support it. And then a few months later, they tabled their own version, which happened to be 90% cut and paste from the one that I'd tabled. And then we supported that. So it's a good show of faith. We did a cross-party collaborative support. We supported that. So we're all on the same page with us. It went through Parliament to select committee. And now... We've got no progress. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand and I don't get why we've gone to all this trouble for something that we all support and there's no progress on it. So it's been nine months now, a further nine months, of waiting for why we can't get to the second reading, what you call the second reading in Parliament, the next stage. And I've been trying to madly behind the scenes, and yeah, like recently International Women's Day kind of reignited this all together again, mm-hmm. um, trying to figure out what is the hold-up. So I've written to the Minister, I've raised questions in my select committee, which is the committee that deals with it, and I'm not getting answers. And we know the Prime Minister committed to passing this before the election, and she mentions it in all her speeches, but why do we not have progress? I'm not getting answers. Mm. I am quite. I was quite curious in terms of the history of pay equity in these bills previously. Um, uh, so I was looking back, and around uh, the t- 2008 mark, when we had that 
uh, election. We had a pay equity scheme put in under the Labor Coalition, which National ended up doing away with. And their kind of reasoning for that back in 2008 was economic uncertainty at the time. Do you think economic uncertainty might be the reason why we might having, be having delays on this? No, no, not at all. And the reason I'd say that is, is that, um, you know, we've got, if, if you're uncertain about um, where the economy's going and whether there'll be cost to employers, then I'd just simply say to the government right now, well, why are you um, going on with your increase to minimum wages? Because that'll be a massive increase to employers mm. in the face of economic uncertainty right now. So I, what I'm hearing behind the scenes is that um, there may be coalition partners that have become, for whatever reason, um, uncertain about the bill. Mm -hmm. um, there are always, there's always um, some discontent from some groups around the very fact that this is a bargaining framework. So put simply for anyone listening, if you're female and you think you've been underpaid, this bill allows for you to approach your employer and start a discussion, a, a discussion that is helped because, you know, the bill allows for a framework around it and you can bargain with your employer and they have to talk to you. Mm -hmm. Right now, um, if you start that kind of process, you end up in court and it's blinking, expensive and long and drawn out, which is why it kind of only ends up in the hands of unions and other peak bodies. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's designed to be faster and more um, usable, accessible, approachable for women and, you know, we just need to really address this whole gender pay gap thing. Mm. Yeah. So, look, I, I don't know why the hold up. It's just a real mystery. And I think the government needs to come clean on this, Laura. Mm be interesting to get some more information on why we've seen that stall. Um, I will jump into something you just brought up there in terms of these minimum wage increases since that was on the agenda anyways. Sure. Um, sure. So nationals come out and said they're not entirely certain whether um, we will see that minimum wage increase if national is elected in the next election. Uh, why is that? Well, no, our, our response on the minimum wage increase is in light of coronavirus, right? Mm -hmm. So we know, I mean, ye gods, it's not just daily. We're talking about hourly um, things are coming out and we're just um, absolutely seeing um, what we could call um, the beginnings of a, a genuine economic, um, you know, downturn. Um, so what we've got is... For instance, ANZ's chief economist saying it's a no-brainer to put um, this year's increase on ice. Um, we are actually specifically saying that we think the government should defer the increase for three months while we reassess if it's affordable. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually think that's a really reasonable position to adopt. Um, once, If this increase takes place, right, it's going to be, in total, a 20% increase in the three years of this government. Mm -hmm. So it's significant cost for businesses to take on. We all want to see everyone get higher incomes. But if you don't take businesses with you, um, it can just end up being counterproductive. Laura, people, they'll cut jobs. Mm. So it makes more sense to um, maintain the current wage 
that people are uh, having right now in the face of economic uncertainty. I mean, the unfortunate thing is uh, no matter what, really, if we do increase minimum wage, we will see a reduction in jobs that happens quite consistently. Um, Ardern's kind of made the point that it's important that we be putting this money into New Zealanders' pocket to stimulate that local economy to make sure people are spending. Well, if we're still talking about in the context of coronavirus here, mm-hmm. there are other stimulus packages that that, are der- that you can definitely come And we did that with, um, with Christchurch, with Kaikoura, for instance. We said to businesses for a period of time, a short period of time, you can access a subsidy, a wage subsidy for your workers. So that's, you know, that's in, in response to a genuine crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, what we've got here is just a, a, a across the board raising of the minimum wage. And we're saying, look, at the least, freeze it for three months while we reassess whether it's the right thing to do. Um, Another, another, put another way, we're just unsure that there is the plan from this government to deal with what is a very fast evolving economic situation. Mm. I am, in terms of national and your history of raising minimum wage, um, irrespective of coronavirus, um, in the time that National was previously in leadership, we saw a 3.4% increase every single year to the minimum wage. Um, while under the coalition government, we've seen this go from a 6.6% increase. Um, this government is prioritizing people being able to survive on the minimum wage. Does National have that same priority? Well, we we have our own way of providing stimulus and assistance and raising people's wages, right? So we did, and I think you've just pointed that out, we did raise the minimum wage each and every year that we're in government. Mm-hmm. So, so that's a fact. It's not like we didn't, we did. Um, but we also put together tax relief packages. So if you recall, in the last election, we were very clear that we were going to provide tax relief um, for everyone of $1,000. And when this government came in, that's the first thing they scrapped. So I guess it, the, we're very clear on making sure Kiwis can have as much of their income to keep as we can possibly help them to keep. Um, whereas um, a, a Labour-led coalition philosophy is more around, um, you know, I guess, well, quite frankly, tax and spend. Um, so big spending on programs and, and less tax reduction. We trust Kiwis to keep their own money um, and decide that, how to be the, the masters of their own destiny. Mm. I'll shift on to our last subject here. Um, so Simon Bridges has said he wants to reduce regulations in order to stimulate economy. More economy talks, that's right up my alley. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So in the exact words he's used is a bonfire to regulations under on the table for national. Can you tell us a bit more about this? Yeah, well, there are some really dumb regulations and red tape out there. Um, Here's an example right off the bat, hairdressers. They've got all sorts of rules and regulations around what kind of lights they can use, where they go, what kind of floor space they can use. 
whether or not they can serve beverages, what sort of beverages, mm. um, you know, like hot drinks or whatever, if you're going to the... There's just some real dumb stuff that holds people back. It, it, it disincentivizes them to be nimble and quick and make sure that they are on the cutting edge of their business and, and producing more jobs and great outcomes. So what we've announced is getting rid of, at the minimum, 100 bits of dumb red tape um, and regulations. And it's not just about being cutesy on this. It's definitely about um, um, concrete stuff that hold businesses. We hear every day um, as a party on people's frustration around coming up against red tape. So we would do stuff like um, repeal and replace the RMA. Um, we would look at um, those 100 bits of dumb regulations, getting rid of them, burning them up on a bonfire. Um, we'd also look at someone um, inside Cabinet responsible for reducing regulation and red tape, and a senior minister at that. So just keep in mind, Laura, this is our first of five economic um, policies that we want to release before the election. We've brought this one forward because we want to show Kiwis that we've got a plan and definitely a plan to get us through what is some very uncertain economic times. Mm. I do have a comment from the New Zealand Association of Registered Hairdressers. Um, Mm -hmm. So just as you were discussing uh, hairdressing and the kind of regulations that are in place, uh, this statement describes the industry as the Wild West and have repeatedly urged the government to increase regulations around safety and training and decreasing them does not fit with that line in in their statement. Yeah, well, see, that, that's not my understanding. I'd be really interested to see that. Mm-hmm. I, um, I spoke on this in the House and read out some of their submission mm-hmm. to the Select Committee um, when it, um, on a, a, a different bill that we had going through the House. So my understanding is that there's definitely um, bits of red tape um, you know, maybe if they're describing something about the Wild West, maybe it's all just very erratic and they need a co- consistent, coherent plan. Um, but we've certainly heard from plenty of those in the industry that when it gets down to the minute detail around lights, floor space, beverages, um, you know, and look, maybe it's not just about this industry law. We all know that there are some, some regulations that people just scratch their head at. And why wouldn't we do our best to identify what they are? Because what happens, successive governments, right? Government on government on government, no matter who they are, you lose track of what was decided and where there was a perverse outcome. So we want to be specific about this. Mm. I do also, um, the World Bank's Doing Business 2020 report says New Zealand is one of the easiest countries on the planet to do business in and has been since 2016, which National was quite um, vocal about and quite proud of. So these regulations, um, decreasing them doesn't really necessarily make sense since it already is quite easy to do business in this country. Well, it doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, right? So Mm -hmm. we can be a a great place to to prosper businesses and be ready to go um, and to have a government that 
puts in the right incentives and you know possibly tax incentives to get business going but it is absolutely a fact that there are some rules and regulations that hold businesses back mm. um, and you know it, it's we've got 30 of them ready to go so um, that that's going to be something that we move on it's just one of a five-part economic plank that we're mm. going to be we're going to talk about tax relief as well infrastructure package small business package and a family's package so that we've got will be rolling out in due course. The Public Service Association also has been quite vocal on this subject. Um, they have made this comment. Not everybody notices or appreciates what regulations do, but whether it's the leaky home crisis or deaths at the Pike River Mine, we certainly notice when regulations are absent. Uh, do you not see the importance of making sure we do have these industries regulated for safety? Yeah, so let me be really clear that this is not about making workplaces more dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's about employers having to navigate a total maze in some industries. It's about making it really simple for them to understand what their obligations are, absolutely keeping employees safe, but where the maze has got confusing and outdated or quite frankly, you know, just silly, then why wouldn't we pay attention to, to what many business owners are telling us is, is sort of like red tape gone mad? Mm. Well, I would definitely be interested to look further at the economic plans that National has. You know, I love my economy talk, but I'll have to shift on to our <laughs> last question here, um, the personal one. Uh, this week, my question for you is, if you were to be a candy bar, what kind of candy bar would you be? Ooh, uh, that's interesting you said candy bar. It's quite American, isn't it, Laura? Well, I just didn't want to say chocolate bar because, like, <laughs> oh, there's so many different you things. You limit me to chocolate. Exactly. I didn't want to put those limitations on you. We don't need these regulations okay. in place on the question. So I've got to try and, off the top of my head, come up with an analogy, but... Why don't I just tell you what my favourite lolly is? Okay. Will that suffice? Okay, yes. my favourite lolly is Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> and and because we've even talked about the American side of things, only the American version, for whatever reason, Sour Patch Kids in New Zealand are not as grunty as Sour Patch Kids in America. Oh, wow. I so didn't know that. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, so the, the same branding, they look the same, the same little sort of chubby tummy on the Sour Patch Kid um, and the same full-on sugar coating that cuts your tongue up something rough, but it is not the punch. You've got to have that punch, you know, so your eyes water and you, you pucker up. So like you hey, like a painful candy experience, Denise. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I do. If I don't walk away um, with with basically a swollen tongue is just not not good not good enough it's not it's not good enough <laughs> all right well thank you for that it's been interesting hearing your <laughs> can candy preferences <laughs> i'm the uh, most passionate and detailed about sour patch kids i love it it's a very graphic description of your tongue getting <laughs> um looking forward to talking to you next week denise the poor listeners <laughs> thanks laura thanks see ya see ya bye the National Party's Denise Lee on 95BFM.